Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. There is little that will prepare you for the moment you hear the words, you're having twins. You might feel shocked, delighted, scared, horrified, amused or a mixture of all of the above. As a twin mum myself, I've got first-hand experience with the emotional roller coaster of having two babies at once. And I wanted to write a book which will guide parents from the moment they find out through the pregnancy, birth and beyond. Excitingly, OMG It's Twins is here and available to buy from bookshops. Filled with gorgeous illustrations by Veronica Dearly and easy to digest chapters, this is the book for anyone who is expecting or has just welcomed two little bundles of joy. But of course, I don't know it all. So when writing the book, I interviewed a whole raft of experts from midwives, psychotherapists, to nutritionists, parenting experts, you name it. And as well as that, I got helpful anecdotes from loads of other twin mums. For this episode of the podcast, I wanted to chat to one of those experts from the book, Sophie Birch. Sophie is a hypnobirthing practitioner, a pregnancy and birth coach and author of the Beyond Birth Guide, which aims to educate and empower its readers. She's also a twin mum, so it was brilliant to chat to Sophie about all of her experiences and the techniques that she teaches as a pregnancy and birth coach. Sophie, a huge warm welcome to the podcast. It is so lovely to have you on. It's a real pleasure to be here, Alison. It's been a long time coming. I'm really looking forward to your book coming out. Can't wait. Oh, I know. I don't. Well, by the time this comes out, <laughs> the book will be out. So it has happened. It is out there in the world. Um, but there's so much that I want to chat to you about. Um, I wanted to kick off... Um, by asking you about your own twin mum experience. Tell me how you felt when you found out that you were having twins. Um, If I'm being really honest, it was the day before I had the scan and I'd clocked a few people pushing double buggies around and my tummy was a bit bigger. This is my third pregnancy and my tummy was a bit bigger than it should have been really and I suddenly went oh my god I'm having twins 
And it was before I had the scan, but then we went to the scan, my husband and I, and she, she looked at me straight away, the sonographer, and I knew what I was looking for because, you know, I do this for, for a living. I'm not a midwife or a sonographer, but I know what I'm looking for. And I just looked at her, she looked at me, and I went, oh. And my husband just looked at both of us and went, oh, oh my God, what is it? Because he thought something terrible had happened. Um, and, and I said, it's twins. There's two there, isn't there? And she said, yeah, yeah, there's two in there. It's twins. I instantly started crying, <laughs> weeping like, oh my God, no. <laughs> and my husband just started hysterically laughing. Were the tears kind of like tears of joy or were they tears of, of, were you, were they panic? Of complete panic. Yeah. Because I've got, I've got two children already I had two children already two boys and actually we'd lost we'd lost a baby in between um and we'd stopped trying so so this was a bit of a shocker really and and I I had that night before really to kind of process if this is twins and also I was 39 as well so thinking I, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do if it is? And then, so it's an automatic reaction just to, to, just to cry and just go, oh God, crap, what do we do? And then I remember saying to my husband, oh, well, if it's two girls, then at least we'll have two of each. It would be fine. And then of course we found out later on that it was two more boys, but I wouldn't have that any other way now. But it was, it was a shocker. But then you see, we had a bit of a tra- you know, bit of a tricky journey through the pregnancy as well because the sonographer had in that scan seen that there was some anom- anomalies, so we had to have further scans. At first, they thought they were Momo twins, which is where they don't have so they're identical; they share a placenta, but they thought they didn't have a membrane between them either. Um, but we then discovered a couple of weeks later with a lot of me basically holding my breath for two weeks and being very worried, we found out that there was a membrane between them, but in fact, they had something called twin to twin transfusion syndrome. So that was, that was pretty traumatic actually. Um, and did you know much about that before they told you about that? Or was it a case of you going away and Googling it and... No, absolutely. Just, yeah, Dr. Google, which isn't always the best thing to do. And I certainly as a therapist and coach wouldn't recommend it all the time. But um, I'd had clients, you know, as as an antenatal teacher and a hypnobirthing teacher and a coach, I'd had clients who were preparing for twins and I'd helped them prepare. But I didn't know anything about twin to twin, really. I'd, I'd heard about it, but it was, I'd never really looked into it. So we then had... A journey from 18 weeks to 28 weeks pregnant where they were scanning us every week and telling us that we might not see a heartbeat with one or both of them each time. So for someone listening who isn't au fait with twin to twin, can you just explain briefly what what it means and what the risks are to yeah. the babies and also to yourself as well? Yeah, it's, there's, there's varying degrees of twin to twin transfusion syndrome, but basically it means that the placenta is... I hate using this word deficient because it makes it sound like it's, you know, it's there's something terribly wrong with it or that's failing or it's something. It's not good enough. But it's deficient, yeah. It's deficient in providing enough nutrients to both babies. So usually the scenario is that one baby gets more 
and another baby doesn't get enough. So we have a situation where Reuben, who was also known as Twin One at that time, was getting too much and it was too much pressure on his little heart. Um, and he became a lot bigger and he had a lot more fluid around him as well. Um, and that made things quite uncomfortable for me, but equally it made Bo's progress, Twin Two, who wasn't thriving, who wasn't getting enough, very difficult as well. So um, they were both at risk, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we are very lucky we survived. Um, they had to be born early. Um, they were trying to take them out from 28 weeks, but knowing all I know, I held, I hung, hung on in there and said, no, we're going to... We're going to see how we go. And um, I mean, I wouldn't advise that to everybody. And I would certainly say always listen to your consultant and what they have to say. But we weighed up all the odds and and we felt it was all right for me to stay pregnant for as long as possible. So I hung on to them for um, another four or five weeks. It was just after New Year on the 3rd of January. Um, they had to be born by, uh, by cesarean section. And I... I knew that they had to go into NICU straight away um, and that we were in there for weeks and weeks, um, which again was another part of my journey and one of the reasons I do the work that I do now and supporting parents especially who've experienced NICU um, and SCABU. But it's nothing can really prepare you for that, but we were so lucky because we had two babies who were okay and they needed help, but they were all right. And I worked really, really hard at helping them to be okay as well. Um, obviously, when you've got another two children at home to take care of, it's it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. The juggle was was real. I don't have a huge amount of family support either, so and my husband had to go back to work quite quickly. So it was a it was a big ordeal. And I would say that if I didn't know what I knew in terms of mental and emotional well being. I may not have been as, as okay as I was. I mean, I still wasn't really, but I managed. I coped just about. And it was very painful, definitely, but I was more resilient. And I spent a lot of time in my pregnancy preparing my mental and emotional resilience as well. So what kind of things did you do? I know that you're a big believer in mindfulness and, you know, um, really preparing yourself. In, and this is, you know, what you what you teach in, in so many of your sessions um, and the work that you do. So what kind of yeah. what kind of things were you doing to prepare yourself? I have my non-negotiables, which I talk a lot about now, actually, as well. In terms of mental well-being, it's it's a bit like physical well-being in the sense that you get up in the day and you know that the things that are good for you are to, to move and to fuel your body with, you know, eat the rainbow um, and, and get enough rest, you know. But when it comes to mental well-being, I mean, they're all linked, but we also need to consider what's going on for us emotionally. So mindfulness works particularly well for helping us to, to find peace when our mind is really busy. So either it's worrying about things in the past or it's worrying about things that might happen. Um, and especially when you're in that high stress state, you're in that threat mode, which I most definitely was. I was mega protector of those babies that were growing inside me, doing what I could to connect with them as well. Um, so I did a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, a lot of visuals as well, visualizing them growing healthily. 
also really getting in tune with nature. So when I went out for my walks, I was really tuning into my environment and that helped me so much, kind of really using the power of my imagination to kind of fuel myself with all of that lovely nature. And I mean, breath work really works particularly well because you know also that all that lovely oxygen that you're breathing in is passing, crossing the placenta to those babies. So I just kept thinking about fueling my placenta and, you know, I know it sounds quite woo to a lot of people, but visualization is very powerful. And I talk about that a lot in the work that I do now. It's where the mind goes, the body follows. And it gives us a moment of respite from the stuff that's really going on in our heads or perhaps that's going on in reality as well. So it's a kind of nice, healthy way to escape and to feel a bit better about what's going on for you. So I did a lot of that, lots of suggestions, lots of use of positive affirmations as well. I'm big on the power of word. You know, words can heal as well as harm. They, you know, they are so incredible. And I chose words every morning that would help me get through my day, that would enable me to connect a bit more with my babies. But if I'm being honest, I mean, it was easier to connect with Rue because he was the bigger baby in pregnancy. I could sense him and feel him, whereas Bo was this tiny little thing that was just... I mean, I could just see him on the scans, but I never really felt him as well. So it's very difficult. So I used to use the power of visualization and word to kind of really connect with him as well. Um, because my mind, of course, would tell me all sorts of things that I had to really put into perspective a lot of the time. So, you know, asking myself questions like, is that just my hypothetical mind? How realistic is this? And, you know, what is the fact here and how much am I in control of this? What can I really do about this right now? So it was a lot of acceptance. It's so amazing that you had all those tools that you could draw upon. <laughs> yeah, I feel really lucky. And that's why I do what I do now so much, because I think that if we were educated about this stuff in school, then it would be so much more natural to us, wouldn't it? We'd be more conditioned to, to taking on board the fact that mental and emotional well-being is as important as physical. Um, and we would know about these things, but unless you've got parents who were practicing that when you were young, and who really modeled that behavior to you, then there would really, there was no other way of knowing that this is what I needed to do until I, by default, came across it when I became a mum for the first time and retrained in, you know, coaching and therapy. So, so I felt that I was at an advantage, but equally, it doesn't mean when we have all of these skills that we are immune to feeling and that we're some kind of guru, because I certainly didn't feel that at all. And it was really tough. But even the most resilient of people really feel things. It just enables you to put things more into perspective and come back still managing things in a more kind of healthy way. And I talk about that all the time, you know. I mean, you can get, you know, really toxic with positivity a lot of the time. So it's more about being as realistic as you possibly can and thinking about what is important to you and what you need in those moments. So if you need to have a really damn good cry, then let it happen because it's great that you can. But equally, if you need to feel held or you need to tell yourself that you're loved and you're safe and that it's going to be okay, then do that too, you know? And yeah, that's, yeah. I talk so much about that. That's such good advice. And actually, um, it's, you know, it's 
advice along those lines that you shared for my book, wasn't it? Do you want to just take us through um, the the brilliant contribution that you made to OMG It's Twins? You're so sweet for asking me to do this as well. I loved contributing to it. Absolutely. I mean, I've got I've got so many top tips, really. Um, but I think, you know, twins, twins is exceptional and wonderful and beautiful and terrifying and all of those things all at the same time. But just because you're having twins doesn't mean that you have to just accept what you're being told as well. So there's so many other things that you can do to prepare yourself for twins. And yes, it's more scary. It's double the babies, but equally it's double the love. It's double the joy. Um, I still, you know, it's double the oxytocin, that boost of love and connection and all of those things that you need. So I, I provided you with, with some top tips, but there are many, many more. So first of all, obviously, thinking about, thinking about your mental and emotional well-being is really useful. And if you find out that you're pregnant with twins, then starting to get to know yourself a bit better by creating more awareness, by doing something like a hypnobirthing course or maybe some hypnosis for childbirth is, is really, really great to do. Now, I know that that, you know, there are two sides to every camp that lots of people think that hypnobirthing, you know, oh, don't do it because it doesn't really work. Hypnobirthing is more, hypnosis is more, as a hypnotherapist, I can say this, it's much more about understanding your mind and how it works and the power of the mind over the body and working with your body and, and allowing your mind to go other places and distract yourself when you really need to. And so it, brings about an awareness when you do this as preparation in pregnancy then you you are starting to have an awareness a mental and emotional awareness of yourself and you're starting to learn tools like affirmations like listening to relaxation audios and also understand about how your body you know works for you when it's birthing a baby now no matter how you've decided to have your twins or how you're being told that your twins may be delivered or brought into the world into your arms um I'm a big believer that all birth is is great, you know, if as long as you choose what you want and you feel that you have made those choices, that you haven't had those choices taken away from you. So hypnobirthing can really help you in that way to prepare yourself, but equally also with your partner as well. So it gets your partner really involved because obviously if you've got a partner, that is. But if you have a partner, then especially with twin pregnancy, even more so than than singleton pregnancy or any multiples, it can feel very much that it's all about the babies and the mother and not necessarily involving the partner very much. You know, obviously when you are carrying twins, you are seen as higher risk anyway. So, you know, all the focus of attention will be there. So hypnobirthing really helps you to connect better with your partner at a deeper level than perhaps he had before so it helps you to start to to reflect a little bit about how you want to have your babies and what it means and how you're going to work as a team um you know how your partner can advocate for you as well and i know i chose you know all of these top tips to add into into your book but i think it's equally important for people to understand that you know partners are really really vital as part of this team and that actually 
you know, they they feel just as much as we do in lots of ways. Obviously, physically, we're going through the pregnancy, but but partners, you know, it's a profoundly transforma- transformative time for them, whether or not you've got other children or not, you know, especially when it comes to twins. A partner's role, if you have a partner, is going to be even more important because you're going to need them to hold a baby while you're dealing with, with one too, you know. As a twin mum, I just know how important that is. We just, you know, we've we've got two arms and generally those two arms are needed to hold one baby. <laughs> it's very difficult, yeah. isn't it, to manage yes, holding it the Yes, but it's not impossible, is it? No, not at all, not at all. And there's some great devices out there now. We had a double carrier for a while because my twins were prem, so they were so small. But it was, you know, great also that we could both have a sling as well, things like that, that, you know, one one carried, Phil always carried the heavier baby. <laughs> Reuben was the chunky one and I got the little one. But it was just, yeah, it's lovely. And then, of course, you can use the tools that we talked about before, like mindfulness as well, to really help you to practice these ways of being that have become more conditioned. So when you're really tired, and you will be really tired, um, you know, the elephant in the room is often tiredness, isn't it? When you get so, so tired and you just can't think straight, your mind is really want to bring up all the stuff that you don't want to be thinking about. Loads of unwanted thoughts, things from the past that suddenly like, you know, in terms of parenting styles, the way you were parented, lots of things that just creep in because your mind is trying to keep you safe. So what mindfulness does is it brings you into the moment, it puts you in the now, and it enables you to just find some peace. That's what I see it, the value of it is. Now, I'm not talking about being Zen like a Buddha at all. You know, you don't need to be meditating all day, every day to use mindfulness. It's more about taking a mindful approach. So this approach is very much about just noticing and being in the moment. And actually, it can feel really fantastic because it does give you that pause. It gives you that peace. You're just kind of taking it all in. Then it's an excuse to slow down. Um, And especially also if you're worrying about things that might happen. If you're feeling more anxious, for instance, that anxiety is that feeling that something bad is going to happen. And so mindfulness can just put a stop to that by saying, but it hasn't happened yet and we're just being right now in this moment and we're accepting where we're at and we're not trying to fight it, not trying to fix anything. We're just seeing that actually now is now and that's okay. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I think that's such a good good thing for any twin mum to do because when you're pregnant and you're worried about what might happen in that pregnancy or what might happen in the birth or if you have your two small you know your twins with you and you're worried about what might happen you know your all of those fears that kind of come through any new mum's head of you know like what if what if um mm-hmm. you know what you're describing just sounds like the golden ticket to you know to tackling that yeah and we need reminders though we all need these reminders um you know so whether or not it's setting little reminders on your phone or if it's just conditioning yourself a little bit more to to think every time I pop the kettle on and I have that cup of tea I'm just going to be mindful about where I'm at right now where my thoughts are and I'm just gonna you know maybe even mindfully sip that cup of tea so I can enjoy it for the fact that I've actually had this time to do it and I've, I've taken the time to, to just do that. And that can be an act of self-care as well. Um, I talk a lot about, you know, self-care just being these kind of very, very small moments. And I think for, for anybody in pregnancy and postnatally, self-care obviously is exceptionally important. Um, and it's not necessarily about having your hair or your nails done, but more about just kind of working out what's important to you and why, you know, what's going to fuel you. And being a twin mum is very challenging in terms of our energy levels, what we need, you know. So anything that's going to just kind of top us up a little bit, just even if it's just for a moment, is is better than than not, isn't it? And helps us to recognise what we really do need in that moment. Um, so yeah, I've also put that obviously in in your in your wonderful book, we've got be open, be as open minded as possible about your birth as well. Um, I love this piece of advice that you shared. Yeah, I used to have t- basically fantasies of running into the woods and free birthing my babies, because I was so I was so afraid of having a cesarean section, um, and what that would mean, and. So I actually had, um, I hired a hypnotherapist to give me some sessions that helped me to to walk myself through every eventuality. And I do this with my clients now as well, where you can, you can try to think through, mentally rehearse every eventuality. So it, in this way, when you're mentally rehearsing your plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, then that can be really beneficial for you. Of course, we all have our hearts set on how we want to give birth. And often that's driven by fear as well. Um, So that's where hypnobirthing can help or hypnosis sessions can help to dispel the fears that you may have or help you to manage them in a a more proactive, productive way that helps you to feel more in control of it. But if you if you mentally rehearse every situation, then when you are actually experiencing it, it's not going to be as much of a shock. And also you can think about what you need beyond that as well. So what kind of care do you need? What do you need in essence to be able to recover quickly enough to be able to be there with your babies um, and connecting with them as quickly as possible? So having several different plans 
is really really helpful and also for your partner if you have a partner your birth partner whoever's there for them to be able to support you and advocate for you in the best possible way so you've discussed all the eventualities and that is brilliant all birth is birth yeah and I learned that and I had a I had a lot of prep to do really a lot of work to do on myself to get myself ready for not only a cesarean section but also a cesarean section at 33 weeks where my babies weren't full term and I knew that there may be risks and complications and that they were going to have to go into NICU so I had to mentally and visually in my mind walk myself through that in order to feel like I was more prepared at the end of the day, it was still not obviously as what I had imagined it to be, but I hadn't put my expectations up so high that I then felt disappointed or let down. Um, and I was able to think, right now, what do I need? How can I get myself through the next hour, two hours a day, etc.? So that was really useful. And I recommend that to everybody now that comes to see me as well. And then that goes hand in hand with writing a plan. I like to prefer, I prefer to say preferences these days, actually, because when we say plan, it kind of makes it sound a bit more final, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And of course, does. the way we live our lives is that, you know, society dictates that things have to go to plan, um, whether that's in our, you know, jobs or going on a journey somewhere. So it's like, what preferences do we have if these scenarios A, B, C or D happen? Um, what do we need? And also enables the people that are caring for us to, to, to be on the same page as well, excuse the pun, but quite literally to understand what it is that we need. Just because you're having a twin birth doesn't mean that you have to succumb to everything that everybody is everybody else is telling you that you have to have. And it's just as important that you, you make sure that you understand the reasons why, for instance, skin to skin is so vital. Um, but that, you know, if you've had a cesarean section, that you will need somebody there helping you to have skin to skin with your babies as often as possible for a while until you're recovered. So these things are really important, but even down to the kind of music that you want to play, or if you want to have nice smells, you know, I'm an aromatherapist, so I'm a big believer in the power of essential oils as well. And obviously postnatally when you've got little babies you want to be careful with the oils that you're choosing to use but all of these things can be written down in your preferences as a guide for you to use yourself as well um, especially if you've had an experience that you weren't expecting and your mind might be a bit stuck and not able to think clearly so that can be really useful um, and then of course the other tip that I've given you in the book, which I really wish that I had had every birth, and I hadn't really got this until the last few years, is about reframing your worst case scenario. Now, lots of people instantly think the worst. I'm not talking about the worst. <laughs> I'm talking about your worst birthing case scenario. So if it is, for instance, a cesarean section then reframe the benefits of that think about actually what are the benefits to you to your baby and the positive things that you can do to help yourself and the reasons why perhaps you needed to have it um, and you know even down to saying lucky that we have a team as well around us that can take care of us for instance um, and that, you know, there are benefits, there are positives to every scenario, just have to look at, 
look into it and sometimes that can help by by writing it down and by taking that what we call the kind of stoics view the the helicopter view and seeing you know if this was somebody else happening to somebody else what advice would you give them what would you say might be useful for them to consider as well yeah I think that's such a such a brilliant thing to be able to do in so many situations isn't it but yeah taking a step back and thinking if this was my friend who was telling me that that, you know the situation what advice would I give to my friend and that can quite often Mm. help you kind of wade through the emotions that you're feeling can't it yeah exactly but those emotions are there for a reason and often it's because it's just trying to keep us safe in a situation that we've never necessarily been in before. So the mind can become become very hypothetical. It second guesses about everything. So if we can, and it's not as easy, you know, as, as we're saying it is obviously, but if you can step back and say, right, what would I realistically say to somebody that I love very dearly and how to manage this? Can I do that for myself? Then it, it can be brilliant. But equally then you can communicate that to your partner if you have a partner. Because having a birth partner there advocating for you is so important. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, even if it isn't your your actual partner, just having somebody there. To, I mean, the, yeah. the whole advocating thing, especially with twin pregnancies and twin births is so important, isn't it? I've spoken to so many women who have felt unhappy or unsure about what they're being told by medical um you know members of staff that they're that they're chatting to and decisions that are being made or advice are being given um and just having that person there who can say actually is this the best option can you tell us more about this it's really important isn't it yeah exactly and when you go into fear state in or your mind just is in that threat mode you're you you often cannot think clearly well you can't you you can't be in rational mind um you're being reactive so so having somebody there that is essentially doing that for you being rational will in the long run mean that when you get home or if you're already at home anyway, but later on down the line, you'll reflect on that process, everybody does, and feel better as a result, even if it hasn't gone the way you wanted it to go. And for a a couple as well, this can be deeply connecting and bonding, and it's, you know, it's teamwork, it feels, it brings your partner into the frame so much more as well. But the, the value, especially in those early days, weeks, months with twins of communicating and feeling comfortable with a level of communication is second to none. It's the best foundations that you can have. And often again, if you're in that tired hypothetical mind, you might be second guessing a lot that you know, things that aren't necessarily factual or true. So if you can learn in pregnancy and through birth to communicate in a way that perhaps you haven't really done before, then you will be on, on, on down the straight and narrow, basically. Those foundations are so much better because relationships really change too when babies come into the mix and especially when there's two. <laughs> You know, they there do, are two babies do. that are in between you. So communication is great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell me then about the fourth trimester that you had with your twins. Now, I'm guessing that back then that wasn't even a phrase that we used because it's, you know, it's only really in the last few years that that's become a very common term. Um, but it does 
describe so perfectly that the first three months of having a baby or babies um, and that need for, I guess, cocooning them, but also, you know, looking after yourself as well. You know, you've just been through this huge, huge thing, um, you know, however you birth your, your babies. Um, so tell me what that period was like for you when you had your twins. Yeah, it was probably slightly different for us in the sense that we were still in NICU for a while. Um, and then when we got home, um, my husband was at work and I was pretty under supported until I phoned up my cousin and said, will you just come and help and live with me for a bit? And she did, luckily. My goodness, I don't think I could have done it without her. But it looked to me like lots of rest, lots of recuperation, lots of lowering my expectations and just doing the bare minimum in terms of what I needed to do to function um, and eating as healthily as I possibly could, even though the temptation was just to be grabbing anything, you know, sugar. It, it was not afraid <laughs> to ask. Yeah. Not afraid to ask people as well. I kind of, I've learned, I learned, I've always been a real people pleaser, but I knew that it was important for me to be able to say to somebody, do you think you can make me a meal that I can just put in my fridge or my freezer? Is that okay? Because I'm just really not coping and I can't get some good food into me right now. And people want to help, don't they? Friends want to help in that way. They do. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. So walking with with the babies was one of the, the best things I could do. But, you know, that's because for me, I really connect well in nature. It enabled me to be more mindful as well. Being out of the house um, was particularly important. Um, even if it was raining, you know, we wrapped up and we went out. And I even the resistance was often very strong to doing that. But I knew that if I got out, it would be okay. I also documented everything down and, and my, you know, my work now very much is based around um, Q&A with yourself, uh, problem solving, uh, journaling. And I was never a big journaler really before, but I was always quite good at bullet pointing what was coming up for me. And so I just expanded on that. So if I was feeling anything in particular that was really strong I I learned to write it down you know I had training in cognitive behavioral therapy um so it, for me it was just part of that process my thoughts my feelings my actions my behaviors getting to understand that and also being as kind and compassionate to myself as possible knowing my limits and really really not expecting too much from myself allowing the tears to flow, allowing myself to just feel held as well. So that's where I really connected to. I talk a lot about this kind of heart anchor that I use. It's an act of parenting yourself, but it's just hot being held when you really need it because when you're in that threat mode, you're overtired, most of us just need to be held. We just need somebody to go, it's okay, and not even use words, but just to let you just kind of go, ugh. So that is what this is about for me so much. And I still do that every day. And my twins are eight now. Um, but I think that, that the compassion, the self-compassion and loving kindness with yourself is really, really important, but not always easy to do. And luckily, you know, I had... I had those skills and I was using them as often as I could because that inner critic when you're tired can, can be pretty pretty harsh and 
and not very fair and not very true either. So again, it's that question of how realistic is that? How kind is that really? Would I say that to somebody else? Probably not. No. So it's about bringing the, the, the loving kindness in to my heart, you know, and an understanding that this is where I'm going to get the support because it wasn't coming from anywhere else. And in essence, nobody had really asked me if I was okay, really. And it, I know that happens to so many people. Especially, I think, twin mums, because the, the twins are the focus. And yeah. it's, you know, are the babies yeah. okay? Especially if they've been in NICU or, you know, in special baby care. And the focus is very much on how are they doing? And I think people sometimes forget to say, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, and ask twice as well always ask yeah. twice because the stock answer is is usually i'm fine i'm fine <laughs> and then you go no how are you you know yeah how are oh, you really actually, I'm not fine no i'm really not <laughs> fine um but that's okay too and i think you know the huge part of the process as becoming parents generally but equally becoming a parent of twins is that understanding that that you have limitations and that that's okay and that just because your next door neighbor is managing to look perfect in everything and get on with everything and it's all brilliant tickety-boo doesn't mean that you have to be the same and I think the comparisonitis is really strong in new parents generally but especially with twins because you you have a greater sense of needing to to get on and you have to but equally that can be that can be very draining as well so it's it's about recognizing what your non-negotiables are that you need to do so having that awareness of yourself before you even have your twins is is really essential so you know if you're like me you, you know your love language is to be held and touched and to get connecting in nature as often as possible then those are the things that you need to do and stick to them but if equally you are, you know, liking to write things down and kind of, you know, and you need to be doing things and those are your non-negotiables, then that's great too. But it's recognising it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you mentioned that these are all skills that you have learned through your work and most people haven't got those skills. But luckily you, that this this is where you come in because you run... Um, courses um, and I'm guessing they're online at the moment rather than rather than face-to-face so they'll be accessible by even more people so tell us about the courses that, that you're that you're running oh thank you I know I mean through the, the four children that I have and and 15 years of supporting people perinatally um, I birthed a new baby called Beyond Birth recently and it's a it's a guide um, which is an online guide but equally now a book that you can get through Amazon and it's it's six chapters six sections where we look at the emotional and mental well-being elements of becoming parents so it's designed for late pregnancy to uh, through early parenting that first year or I've even got people using it you know with babies young you know toddlers and that that is great too because it's really skills for life and the groups um, were born as a result of creating the guide and the guide was was basically everything that I wish I had had and knew 
when I was having my first baby, my second. And so the, having the third and fourth at the same time gave me the insight and the inspiration, I said, I guess, really to say, gosh, if nobody's going to ask me if I'm okay, then maybe I need to dig deep and find this, this way of supporting myself and understanding myself. That's not to say that we mustn't reach out for help because actually in lots of ways, when you have this awareness with yourself, you have more confidence to then ask for help when you really need it. And, and that means, you know, accessing um, services, you know, that, that might be able to hold you that bit more as well. But a lot of the time, if we can do this work with ourselves, then it's a deeply connecting process. And that's with ourselves and equally with our partners, if we have them, with our families, with our, obviously with our babies and our children. So beyond birth groups, um, I don't run groups personally at the moment, but I've got 60 practitioners who I've trained worldwide who are running them online and hopefully locally soon as well. And I do practitioner training. So I've created um, a CPD accredited and certified course in perinatal mental health awareness and um, training people essentially in how to run beyond birth sessions and they're for all parents so I'm working closely with um, Mark Williams who's also in my collective um, who's a campaigner for for father's mental health and I've just trained a male practitioner who's a dad of seven he's an ex-veteran his name's Scott Mayer and he is he's now going to be running some dads uh, groups dads and partners and he's really passionate about lived experience perinatal and paternal mental health as well so yeah it's very exciting it's it's much much needed and then the reason I've seen so much demand for it is obviously because we're finding ourselves in this pandemic with the stats at the moment are hinting at around about three times more anxiety and depression in in parents generally, but equally new parents. So it's such a vulnerable time in our lives that if we can if we can preserve and protect our mental health by just bringing in some mental well-being practices before we really need them, and then that means that we're conditioned to them when we really actually need them. Then, then it will help and it, it ripples out through the rest of the family. Yeah. Oh, Sophie, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds so, so needed and so brilliant. So well done for launching that and for, for the book as well. It just sounds so, so good. Um, Sophie, finally, where can we find you online to hear more from you? Um, so I'm at themamacoach.com, which is with two M's. Um, and I'm also on Instagram as the mama coach. So it's M A M A C O A C H. And I'm also on beyond underscore birth underscore guide as well. So that's, that's all about the beyond birth, uh, guiding groups and practitioner training, um, and Facebook too, um, dotted here, there and everywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, usually the mama coach. <laughs> we can find you. You're everywhere. Um, Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today. The Beyond Birth Guide is available from Amazon and from themamacoach.com, isn't it? Yeah. And um, OMG, it's twins is also available on Amazon or wherever you buy books from. Um, but thank you so much. Alison, I cannot wait to get stuck into your wonderful book. I'm just so thrilled <laughs> that you have created this and 
also for all the parents, you know, that you're going to be helping as well. I wish I'd had that, you know, what a wonderful, wonderful addition to the book world and also to the parent and baby pregnancy world. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.